Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Hi, this is Carl Amari, and welcome to episode 52 of Radio Rarities, the weekly podcast series that examines unique episodes from the golden age of radio. My co-host is the vivacious Lisa Wolf. This time we have an audition of one of the grittiest police dramas on radio, a real noir classic that has joined the ranks of Broadway is My Beat and The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. It's The Man from Homicide, starring Charles McGraw as Lieutenant Lou Dana from September of 1950. The audition was the result of the lifelong goal of author Louis Vitties to bring to the airwaves a hard-boiled, true-to-life police detective. The show was told in first-person narration by Dana, who each week attempted to solve the latest murder in a large city. That city was never named, Carl, so we don't know if it was supposed to be New York or L.A. or somewhere in between. Previously, Vitties had written numerous scripts for mystery and detective shows, including Nero Wolf. Inner Sanctum, Mr. and Mrs. North, and The Lone Wolf. Any relation, Lisa? We wolves have a long and storied career in radio, Carl. It was during the production of The Lone Wolf that Vitties met talent agent Ben Pearson. At that time, Pearson was the West Coast radio director of the ANS Lions Agency. Before that, he also worked at ad agencies J. Walter Thompson and the Bio Company. In 1948, Pearson became the radio director of the Stemple Olenek Talent Agency, which would ultimately package the man from Homicide. Together, Vitties and Pearson collaborated with former actress Helen Mack, who was then producing and directing various radio shows on the West Coast. Mack had started her career as a child actor in silent films and then continued with featured roles in such pictures as The Struggle and Son of Kong. She entered radio as an actress in Hollywood on the Air and the Lux Radio Theater and then could be heard on Mert and Marge. Mack's first assignment as producer-director was A Date with Judy, which was created and written by Aileen Leslie. In 1950, she was at the helm of The Adventures of the Saint, starring Vincent Price. It was through this program that Mack met Louis Vitties, who had written several scripts for the series. The creative team of Vitties, Pearson, and Mack was now ready to proceed with their new venture, The Man from Homicide. To fill the role of Lieutenant Lou Dana, they were seeking someone to fit their concept of the hard-boiled police investigator. They turned to film actor Charles McGraw, whose gruff, gravelly voice seemed perfect for the part. For the role, McGraw would draw upon his extensive experience in motion pictures. His film debut was an uncredited part in The Undying Monster, This was the first horror release by 20th Century Fox. But it wasn't until after he returned from the service in World War II that his career blossomed with roles in The Killers, The Big Fix, and The Story of Molly X. In the 1950 MGM feature Side Street, McGraw portrayed homicide detective Stanley Simon. He was also appearing in character roles on radio, including The Whistler, Pat Novak for Hire, and Escape. For the all-important music on The Man from Homicide, Robert Arnold 
Carm Brewster was enlisted to compose the theme and bridge passages. As music director for the NBC Western Division in Hollywood, Arm Brewster served as composer and conductor for numerous programs, including the Cavalcade of America and the Screen Director's Playhouse. Okay, sit back, relax, and enjoy Charles McGraw as Lieutenant Lou Dana in the audition episode of The Man from Homicide, titled The Harold Winthrop Case as recorded at the NBC Hollywood Studios in September of 1950. The Man from Homicide. A new dramatic series starring Charles McGraw as Lieutenant Dana. According to Webster's Unabridged Dictionary, homicide is the killing of one human being by another. According to a man from homicide, it's just the beginning of a dirty, dangerous job that doesn't end until a killer is found. But I like it. Maybe because I don't like killers. bother much with names at headquarters. We give them a number and a file card. When they're in and the case is closed, we file a card and forget it. Only sometimes we don't forget that easy. The perfect cop would have a computing machine for a brain and a hydraulic pump for a heart. The perfect cop would never get hurt. I'm not a perfect cop. Terminal Street pitches up sharp from San Miguel Harbor. It's not the kind of street you'd be taking a walk on unless you were a cop like me. On a case that started with a dead man in a ditch. A dead man who'd collected too many ice picks. I walked up Terminal Street at night with only the shadows for company until... You in a hurry? What do you want? Let's go inside where you just came from. I can't, I... Gun shy? I gotta find a policeman. You found one. You? But... No uniform? No, no, but the city gives me a badge to carry around. Oh. Lieutenant Dana, homicide. Come on. I'm so glad you were here. I'm frightened. <laughs> I almost fell into that garbage can. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but we'll still have to go into that house. I know. Door's locked. Let me have your key. All right. I. Never mind. Turns out it wasn't locked. It's nice to know you have a key. Uh... Nice carpet. Yes. Houses around here don't run the carpets often. You left the lights on. Uh, I... Where is he? The living room. Door on your left. Thanks. Why don't you sit down for a minute? Well, the corpse was male, white, in its early 30s. What might have been a look of surprise on his pretty face probably meant nothing because of the two bullet holes placed less than an inch apart in his chest. The expression on the faces of the dead being incapable of verification. Corpse wore silk socks. Silk socks. What? Whose house? I live here, if that's what you mean. That isn't what I mean. It's a rented house. The rent receipts being among his souvenirs? What's his name? Winthrop. 
Harold Winthrop. Yours? Claire Thorpe. I know that suit he's wearing will never be the same. It's too bad. It's nice tail. I didn't kill him. I was in the kitchen mixing drinks for us. I heard the shots and ran in here. I, I was frightened. I ran out to find a policeman. And... You know, it surprise you to hear the actual figures on telephones in use in a city of this size. I, I was afraid to stay in the house. I should have phoned the police. I know. Show me the kitchen, would you please? All right. I wonder how many men wearing silk socks ever walk up Terminal Street. The kitchen. The back door's wide open. I'll close it. Wait a minute, don't touch it. Don't touch that knob. Kick it shut. The drinks, the ice cubes are beginning to melt. Was he married? Yes. The pretty ones usually are. You know, this is a funny neighborhood for a man wearing silk socks to be found dead in. I'll bet he's embarrassed. <laughs> The mills began to grind. I phoned in, and after a little while, during which none of us said anything, me, Claire Thorpe, and the corpse, company came. Come on, boys, let's get at it. A handful of educated Step cops who did here. things with fingerprints and blood stains and photographs from 19 different angles. The gun that killed Winthrop was among the missing. A special escort arrived for Claire Thorpe. All right, miss, let's go. No. Wait a minute. I... She started to cry again. No, I decided to leave. Anyway... Somebody had to notify the new widow she was a widow. I went down Terminal Street the way Claire Thorpe had run and stopped at the garbage can she'd stumbled over. There was nothing in it but garbage. The Winthrop place covered what seemed like a couple of acres. The house undoubtedly had come over on the Mayflower. Even the trees looked refined. I rang the bell and decided the next time I visited, I'd be sure and get my shoes shined. Yes? Are you Mrs. Winthrop? Mrs. Harold Winthrop? I am. It's late. Are you going to give me the weather report next? No. You mind if I come in? I don't suppose I do. Come in. Thanks. We don't need that music. It's Mozart. Yeah? His 39th. In D, I think. But you wouldn't know about that, would you? No, I wouldn't know anything about that. Would you turn it off, please? All right. Not important. Sometimes very important things aren't important. Why don't you sit down? Or something? You got a big place here. We... My husband and I like it. Any children? You're from the Census Bureau. No. Any children? None. Okay. I'm glad you approve. Or were you approving? I'm Lieutenant Dana, homicide. Oh, I've read about you men in the papers. I'm very much impressed. I don't know exactly what I would have expected one of you to look like, but... I'm sorry. I keep forgetting you must have had a reason for coming here. Decide the fact that it's late. I had a reason. Your husband isn't home. No. He's down in a sleazy shack on Terminal Street. That's near the harbor. Am I supposed to ask you what he's doing there? You can if you like. All right. What is my husband doing in a sleazy shack on Terminal Street? He's lying on an imitation oriental rug with a couple of bullets in his heart. <sighs> you... 
Shouldn't wear your hat indoors, Lieutenant. I'm sorry. You won't mind if I don't try to squeeze out a tear? No. Harold hasn't meant anything to me for a long time. Alive or... The death hasn't changed that. He wasn't very much of a man. I suppose that's why he had to go slinking down back alleys, trying to prove something to himself. Who killed him? Did you ever hear of a woman named Claire Thorpe? No, but he'd hardly tell me about her, would he? Where are the servants? Asleep. Been home all evening, Mrs. Winter? Yes. What time did the servants turn in? Around ten. What time was... was Harold killed? Ten-thirty. Good night, Mrs. Winthrop. Lieutenant Dana. Yeah? That question. It means I'm going to see you again, doesn't it? You might have answered that more quickly. All I meant was, in the line of duty... You're beautiful, Mrs. Winthrop. If you're going to say things like that, better make it Kate. Nearest I ever came with silk socks turned out to be rayon. Oh, one thing more. Yes? Mozart's 39th is in E-flat. first interview with Mrs. Winthrop ascertained that she had no alibi for the time of her husband's murder. No grief for his death. Failed to discover possible motive, if any. Ignore female. White, middle twenties. Dark eyes, olive skin. Soft black hair. A cop would give his pension to wind around his hands. Heading south on Claremont, I... Picked up a trailing car in my rearview mirror. His left beam was weaker, which led to recognition after a half a mile. Proceeding south on Claremont, I swung my car across the road. I got out and I was waiting for him. He was fumbling for the reverse when I got his door open. You looking for me? Your car's blocking traffic. What traffic? I'm in a hurry, mister. Get out. I said... I, I... said get out. Who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? Okay, okay. Now turn around. All right, Dana, I give you that gun. You got a license for it? I. Uh, Who put you on me? Wouldn't you like to know? I. Who put you on me? You can't get away with beating me up. You're a hood carrying a gun. Maybe you never heard. I don't like hoods who pull a gun on me. I lose my temper with them. Stop it. Who put you on me, crybaby? Ready. I know. He owns the Avon Club. Roulette and dice. The wheel's square, but the dice are loaded. Let's go visit. Okay. Want to go in my car? No, no, my car. The city pays for the gas. The spoiler dried his tears beside me. I had thoughts about Mr. Reddick. The department had been interested in him for quite a while. Crooked gambler... Man uh, had a string of hoods in the payroll. A man who'd maybe seen to it that a rival wound up dead in a ditch punctured with ice picks. Also a man who liked women, not to mention vice versa. Oh, it's me, spoiler. You I can recognize with pardon the expression, the naked eye. Whose muscles? Lou Dana, Benny. Social call, copper? We'll leave it at that. We'll do even better than that, copper. You'll leave. No. Got a search warrant? No. 
Ah. Goodbye, copper. Keep your finger off that buzzer. What are you... This isn't a raid. I don't care for right now what's going on in the club. I'm visiting Reddick. He ain't in. I'm going to try that again, Benny. He ain't... Stop crowding me, copper. You don't like crowds, Benny? No. How'd you like to join a crowd down at the lineup? You got nothing on me. I can dream, Benny. About a guy found dead in a ditch. A guy on the receiving end of ice picks. I understand he was trying to muscle in on your boss. What's the matter, boy? Don't you boys believe in free enterprise? Down the hall, Dean. Thanks. Come on, spoiler. Yes? Speak up, spoiler. Spoiler, Mr. Reddy. Come in. Spoiler, I thought you were supposed to... He is trailing me. Trailed me right into your office, Reddy. Hello, Lieutenant. Other side of the door, spoiler. Do we want to be alone, Lieutenant? We do. Mr. Reddick, he's got my rod. Oh. Spoiler doesn't feel right without his protection, Lieutenant. Here's the license for that gun. Well, pretty engraving. It's a shame I can't read. You could get in trouble taking the spoiler's gun. He could get in worse trouble. He's a little careless. Now that you mention... Mr. Reddick, it ain't my fault. He beat up on me. Look at my face. It's swollen. Biggest mosquitoes you ever saw. This Mr. Reddick, you do something about it. You send me after him, you know. Spoiler. Yeah, Mr. Reddick? Yeah. Sure, okay, but... Hey, Mr. Reddick, you ain't, you ain't sore at me. No. I mean, I, I couldn't stand that. If you were sore at me, I... Get out. I couldn't help it if that guy... He wouldn't have tried it if I'd had a chance to get a gun on him. He... Spoiler. I want to talk to you. Here's your gun. Catch. <laughs> now you got a gun on me. I... I... Out, spoiler. <laughs> yeah. Not a strong character, the spoiler. It wasn't a character analysis of spoilers that brought you here. No. I don't want any trouble with you, Dan. I realize perfectly well that you can make trouble. But perhaps I should remind you that my clientele happens to be composed of some of the finest people in the city. You mean the best healed. How's Harold Winthrop these days? Harold Winthrop? Oh, yes, yes. He's patronized the club on occasion. Mr. Winthrop, Lieutenant, is a gentleman of the highest social standing. The last time I saw him, he was lying down. Oh? I want a gun, Reddick. Lose your own? The gun I want has two bullets missing. Bullets that wound up in Winthrop's chest. Oh. Yes, yes, I can see why you would want that gun. Uh-huh. Tell me, where were you tonight at 10.30? Reading a good book. How many witnesses? Three, I think. The spoiler, Benny. Who's the third? Claire Thorpe. Oh, she's the little blonde girl, isn't she? I heard tell you used to play together. She's the girl you picked up and booked, Lieutenant. At 10.30. 10.40. Terminal Street is only a few blocks from here. Yeah. I hadn't realized that. Think about it. Three witnesses for her, too. And I'm only one dumb copper. Good night, Reddick. Good night. It was dark in the alley back of the gambling club. I was close to my car and maybe careless. Oh. They were peeling the layers of black velvet off me. After a while, they got them all off. 
place was maybe 20 miles outside the city limits. I had a gun in my hand. Mine. Maybe four feet from me, spoiler was resting. I got up out of the sand, went over to him, and decided he wasn't resting. A number of bullets had worn him down. Bullets out of my gun. That wasn't a good frame. It wasn't intended to be. Spoiler's death was insurance, nuisance value, and it consumed time. Wake up, Dave. Yeah. Oh, hi, Lieutenant. I'm wide awake. Claire Thorpe. What about her? I want to talk to her. She's been sprung, Lou. The angle? Habeas corpus. No murder weapon on the premises. No way she got rid of it. DA didn't care for her. Why that stupid? Say, Dave, would you get Malone on a first aid kit? Huh? Blood's tickling the back of my neck. Holy mackerel. Who slugged you? Little boy Blue. Well, one thing more. Locate Winthrop's lawyer. Find out who inherits, huh? Well, every say, first thing in the morning. No, no, no. Tonight. Okay. Who was assigned to Claire Thorpe? Nobody's tailor. We didn't think it was... Nobody. But find her, Pappy, and find her quick. You're listening to Radio Rarities. We'll return after this short break. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co Host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Now, back to Radio Rarities. I sat around headquarters and waited. Plenty of reports came in. The weather was going to be fine tomorrow. Captain O'Malley had a baby over in the 16th precinct. Mrs. Winthrop was the sole heir to the Winthrop estate. But nothing on Claire Thorpe. The department would turn her up in time, but I got tired of waiting. Maybe she'd gone back to the house on... Terminal Street. Mm. 
I... Clarence Thorpe had gone back to the house on Terminal Street for keeps. I phoned the sergeant. Then I sat on a flimsy bench in front of the vanity, staring at my bandage in the mirror, stirring the Rochelle powder in the open box on the table. Claire Thorpe had stopped bleeding. When the fingerprint boys and the meat wagon got there, I got out fast. By the time I got to Reddick's Club, the finest people he'd mentioned had gone home. I'm afraid you're a little late. You're not kidding, Mr. Doorman. I mean, the, the club's closing. My badge isn't going to look good compared to the gold braid you've got on your epaulets. A but cop. Lieutenant Dane, if you want to be formal. I, I didn't notice any other cops around. There aren't any. But if this is a raid... It isn't. All I want's Reddick. He's busy. He's going to be busier. Look, Lieutenant, I, I don't want to get into this. I got a job. It pays off. You won't have to get into it. Where are they? Office. Down the hallway from the main room. But I didn't tell you, see? You didn't tell me. Good evening. Dear, dear. Lieutenant Lou Dana. Glad you remembered me from the last time. Benny, take your hand out of your pocket. Sure, copper. See? Gun. You got a license for it? Never mind. Mr. Reddick will have one on file. Oddly enough, Lieutenant, I have. Makes it nice and legal. Checking in all the guns in the city, Lieutenant. No, I got a report for you from the Bureau of Vital Statistics. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. The population of the city's dropped within the last couple of hours. By two. Two? The spoiler, but that wouldn't be news to you. You said two? Oh, imagine my forgetting. Claire Thorpe. Claire? Dead? As dead as they ever get, and they get very dead, Reddick. You had her sprung. Yes, but that, that was... That brought her out in the open. The open's a good place to get shot. You'll have to do any further talking with my attorney. Oh, then. why don't you stop? I haven't got a whereas on me. Harold Winthrop, the spoiler, Claire Thorpe. Let's think about the spoiler, Reddick. He was my boy. How'd you happen to know he was dead? I oh, was... don't bother. Benny told you. How'd Benny know? Benny shot him with my gun, right, Benny? Wise copper. I wasn't nice. Especially when you had a gun of your own, licensed and all. Spoiler fell down on the job. He let me spot him trailing me. He wasn't a strong character, so he died. You're doing fine. The rest is tougher. Reddick, you never were a big man. Now you are. How come? Merit is always recognized and rewarded. Oh, yeah, in the copybooks. You moved up when the heavy money boys started dropping in at your club. Why? They were treated properly. They were robbed blind. But what made them suddenly decide you were a nice boy to play with, huh? Oh, no, wait a minute. Don't bother thinking up the answer. We got it from a stoolie weeks ago. The name is Winthrop. One of the oldest and classiest names in the city. I was proud to be numbered among his friends. In that case, then you're the one to ask. What was a guy like that doing in a house in Terminal Street? Lieutenant, you've seen Claire Thorpe. Oh, yeah, sure. Right after Winthrop was killed. She made a break from the house and ran into me. I took her back inside. Ready. Before I did, she stumbled over a garbage can. The poor girl must have been nervous. The poor girl was smart. You know what she did, Ready? She got rid of a hot gun in that garbage can. Then all you had to do was search it. At the time, I couldn't know about the gun. Afterwards, all I came up with was garbage. Just like a cop. She stuck her neck out. Why? She was in love with you, that's why. She must have thought she was covering for you. You had the house staked out. Somebody spotted her act, fished the gun out of the can. That was Benny. No, it was this... Correction. Spoiler. Who do I get for him, Reddick? I 
Actually, as I told you before, I know nothing about the spoiler's death. It's a blow to me, Dana. A very sad blow. I don't think you realize how much of a blow. They let accessories smell the cyanide gas just as quick as killers. I wasn't... Before, the... during, and after the fact, Reddick. No, I Prove was... It. Who do I get for the spoiler? Dana, I will admit that... Well, one of my employees may have lost his head. Shut up, Reddick. I wouldn't know, of course. If true, Benny did happen to, to go out for a while. What, what time was the spoiler shot? Roughly... 1.40 a.m. Uh, that, roughly, is when Benny went out. Mr. Reddick, don't do that. Well, Benny, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll get you the finest lawyer. You, you, you needn't worry about his fee. I'll, I'll take care of that. We'll, we must be sensible about this, Benny. I, I can help Time's you. I'm dying. You... Let's have your gun, Benny. Why don't you come and get it, copper? All right. I will. You better stop right where you are, copper. Maybe it ain't supposed to be smart blasting a cop. I want your gun, Benny. All right, another step, just one step more, you get it. I don't mean the rod either. I mean bullets in your belly. Your gun, Benny. What's the matter? What's the matter? What's wrong with you? You think bullets won't hit you? You think you're different from other guys just because you're a cop? Will you stop moving in on me? What's wrong with you? You, you... I'm Lou Dana, Benny. Uh... All right, all right, all right. Take it. No, no, Benny. Pick it up. Hand it to me. I... Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Benny. Reddick, you're coming with us. What, you... All right, Lieutenant, I'll be glad to. Of course, it's only for a little while... That'll be between you and the district attorney's office. Oh, uh, one thing more. Yeah? The other gun, Reddick. The one that was used on Winthrop. You're sure I've got it? What kind of a question is that? All right, Dana. It's in the drawer here. Right, I'll take it. Be careful. Don't take the handkerchief off that gun. Don't worry. I'll keep it warm. I took him down, and the desk sergeant made marks on his brand-new blotter. Benny Carolla, alias Benjamin Carter, alias Benjamin Wilde, along with Vincent Reddick was charged with murder. The murder of a man referred to as the spoiler. We left the other deaths off the blotter. A man can die only once. And then, I got my shoes shined. Come in, Lieutenant Dana. You'll uh, have to overlook my dressing gown. I was just about to go to bed. I'm sorry, Mrs. Winthrop. Lieutenant, what's your first name? Lou, why? I don't know. I just wanted... I don't know why. Ah, that's not important. Let's not discuss things being important. Or are you being unkind and trying to remind me that I thought Mozart's 39th was in B? Mozart's dead. Yes, and so is my husband. But won't you call me Kate anyway? All right. Never mind, I know. You're here on business. All right, Lieutenant. You found out that I inherit Harold's estate, haven't you? Yes. That's why you're here, isn't it? I know that's for me. Yes, Pappy. Uh-huh. You're fine. All right, go back to sleep. What was that, Lieutenant? Further check to find out just what it was you inherited. And you found out. Harold Winthrop had nothing to his name but the silk socks he died in. That's true. He wasn't killed because of anything anybody would inherit from him. Thank you. And now I suppose I don't interest you anymore. 
in the line of duty. So, you'll be going away. I'd like to tell you something first. All right. When your husband got shot, a girl named Claire Thorpe gave the gun that did the killing to Reddick. She was in love with him. She thought he'd killed your husband. I got that gun from Reddick. It was carefully wrapped in a handkerchief. Does that mean something? It means Reddick didn't shoot your husband. He wouldn't have been so careful about preserving the prints on that gun if he had. You've got more to tell me. Yeah. The way it's set up, your husband and Claire Thorpe were keeping house on Terminal Street. And your husband was steering all his rich friends to the Avon Club for a split of the take. That's the way it's set up. I can't believe that of Harold. Oh, it's true, I suppose, but I... It isn't true. It isn't. But then... Somebody was keeping house on Terminal Street, sure. But it wasn't Claire Thorpe because she had the whitest skin on a woman I've ever seen. I'm not especially interested in Miss Thorpe's attractions. On the vanity table in that house, there was a box of face powder. Rochelle. Blondes with very white skin don't use Rochelle. Brunettes do. A brunette was keeping house with someone on Terminal Street. You're a brunette, Mrs. Winthrop. You were keeping house on Terminal Street with Reddick. No. Your husband found you there, didn't he? And all he found was death. I, um... I don't think I'm going to say anything. Don't. It wouldn't do any good. We've got a date with the desk sergeant, Mrs. Winthrop. All right. But, uh, you wouldn't want to take a girl to headquarters in her night clothes, would you? No, I wouldn't. Then you won't mind if I get dressed in my bedroom? No. <laughs> you shouldn't have ripped my dressing gown off. I had to make sure you were wearing street clothes underneath. You are. Claire Thorpe was killed only a little while ago. That finishes it. All right. But I wish you'd take your hat off indoors, Lieutenant Zayner. I'm sorry. Let's go, Kate. <laughs> Catherine Winthrop was booked at the 14th Precinct for the murder of her husband, Harold Winthrop, and for the murder of Claire Thorpe. Her prints on the murder gun clinched it. We gave her a number and a file card. And the eyes, the warm lips, the hair a man would give his soul to get his hands on. It didn't mean a thing. I don't like killers. <laughs> You have just heard The Man from Homicide, starring Charles McGraw. Mr. McGraw appears by arrangement with RKO Radio Pictures, Incorporated, and will soon be seen starring in The Target. The script was written by Louis Vitties and was produced and directed by Helen Mack. Music was composed and conducted by Robert Armbruster. In tonight's cast... Reddick was played by... James Backus. Kate Winthrop. Joan Banks. Benny. Larry Dobkin. Claire Thorpe. Maggie Morley. Spoiler. Lamont Johnson. The Sergeant. Tom Tully. The Doorman. Arthur Q. Bryan. And Lieutenant Lou Dana. Charles McGraw.
Well, Carl, I've not heard a tougher cop on a radio show. I agree, Lisa. Charles McGraw sure gave a fine performance as hard-boiled police lieutenant Lou Dana. But why wouldn't he take his hat off once inside? I don't know. Perhaps he was just focusing on apprehending the bad guy, or in this case, girl. I thought the manner in which the cast was credited individually at the end was a nice gesture. It should be done that way in all auditions. And leading the cast as the femme fatale was Joan Banks, Mrs. Frank Lovejoy, who had numerous roles in shows from My Friend Irma to Nightbeat. Maggie Morley was the other actress in the episode. It would have been tough to miss Jim Backus in this one. Of course, he would later portray millionaire Thurston Howell III on Gilligan's Island. We also heard Larry Dobkin, Lamont Johnson, Arthur Q. Bryan, and Tom Tully. Though the role was a minor one, Tully portrayed Sergeant Dave Myers, one of Dana's underlings. NBC held the option on The Man from Homicide but did not pick it up. Thus, the program suffered the same fate as many auditions. It was thrust into limbo land. However, during the spring of 1951, ABC announced that it was replacing the vacationing inner sanctum with the Vitties creation. Dwight Hauser replaced Helen Mack as producer-director, and everything was set for the series to premiere June 25, 1951. However, there was one problem. On account of film commitments, Charles McGraw was not available. Ben Pearson, along with ABC executives Dresser Dalsted and Leonard Rieg, scrambled to find a replacement. Many actors were considered, including Bruce Cabot, Paul Kelly, Chester Morris, and Cameron Mitchell. Eventually, the producers decided to cast against type and sign Dan Duryea, who was infamous for slapping dames and playing sardonic villains in numerous films. Hollywood gossip columnist Hedda Hopper had recently Christian Duryea, the heel with sex appeal. He had an extensive film career in such classics from The Little Foxes and Pride of the Yankees to the noir thrillers Johnny Stool Pigeon and Too Late for Tears. He also had prominent roles in the westerns Black Bart and Winchester 73. In radio, Duryea had performed on the Lux Radio Theater, Suspense, and Family Theater, among others. The Man from Homicide would be his first leading role as a continuing character on radio. He portrayed Lou Dana in all 14 episodes of the summer series. Dan's motto was, I don't like killers. And he often apprehended the killer single-handedly. The last episode of The Man from Homicide was broadcast September 24, 1951. Without a sponsor, it was not renewed by ABC, despite valiant attempts by the program's headliner and production team to keep it on the air. Both Dan Derrier and Charles McGraw would later star in their own TV series, the former in The Adventures of China Smith and the latter in The Falcon. Ironically, Duryea and McGraw would face each other in a courtroom scene in the 1957 United International release Slaughter on 10th Avenue. In the film, McGraw portrayed police lieutenant Anthony Vosdick with Duryea as chief legal counsel for a waterfront mob. Of course, Lisa, the lingering question will always be, what would have been the fate of the man from Homicide had Charles McGraw retained the role for the series? We'll never know, Carl, but fans of Dan Duryea were thrilled that their hero was able to broaden his career and image via radio. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition of Radio Rarities. Radio Rarities is a Gulfstream Studios copyrighted production produced by yours truly, Carl Amari. My co-host is Lisa Wolf. Mike Costella is our executive producer, and the show is written by Carl Shadow. Next week, we'll present the 1951 audition of Rocky Jordan, starring George Raff. You won't want to miss it. And thanks for listening. 
Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.